It's time for the Believer, Unbeliever, and In-Betweener podcast. Join in on the conversation as three friends discuss socially relevant topics in view of biblical truth, where scripture meets skepticism. Welcome your hosts, Stephanie, Michelle, and Cheryl. All right, welcome back listeners to our show. As many of you know, we did a show on abortion back in February, and today we will be continuing that discussion on abortion together with Erin McGrath, who in just a moment will share her personal journey and experiences with abortion. She will discuss how when she reflects back on this time in her life, she can see how cultural norms and the subliminal messaging that she received about sex, motherhood, and even abortion itself played a significant role in her decision to have an abortion. So we would like to welcome Erin to our show. Welcome, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Erin. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, there there are most of the time when people talk about abortion, they're, you know, weighing in on whether it should be legal or moral, but I don't want to do that right now. And I'm just going to just share my story just exactly like it happened. So, so I was 24 years old in Philadelphia in art school, and I was dating someone in a very, like in a very casual way. I got pregnant. Um, and I was absolutely I I was just so shocked. I actually didn't think that it would, it could ever happen to me. I thought it would be a lot more dramatic than it was. I had no idea that like I would be pregnant and not know, but that's what happened. So I, I eventually called my, my mom. She took me to a gynecologist in New York and you know, it was very clear that there was just like, that's just what was going to happen. Uh, I, I was 12 weeks pregnant and having the child was not even really a, it just, it wasn't even an option. Also, you know, I'm, I'm in art school. I'm totally dependent on my parents. So like just, you know, to survive. So having them have that kind of like agency in my life. It's like, I'm 24, but I wasn't really an adult. I wasn't really independent. And so I, I wasn't really thinking for myself in many ways. So I remember asking the doctor uh, before she did the procedure, like if she could tell me anything more, I, I remember asking her like, really, is, is this an okay thing to do? And she, you know, she, she, her, her view was that a fetus at 12 weeks is a lump of cells and, you know, has no intrinsic value therefore. And it was clear that in her mind, she had this all worked out is very like tidy. She just like operated like a, you know, just a seemingly well-adjusted person. This, this, this wasn't bothering her. And um, so I asked her if I could see the, I didn't even know how to say it. I, I, I think I, I said like, can I see it <laughs> when you're done? And so she showed me this um, little Petri dish of fluids, I guess like body fluids and stuff. And she just pointed to like a little thing that looked like the end of a, um, like a cotton ball that you just put in water 
it was just like, it was formless. It looked like every other piece of matter in that little dish. And so seeing that really just settled my mind, like, oh, it really is a lump of cells. And so that was, that, that happened when I was 24 and I'm now 37. And it was really just last year, a bunch of things happened all at one time. I, it, 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 was, it was like the, the, the moment that I really became a Christian, I, I guess. It, 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 it's funny because it was like at the exact same moment that I, I sensed it could, like I could be saved. I didn't, like that had no meaning to me before, but at the same exact moment that I knew I could be saved, it was almost like at that exact same moment, I chose to ask for forgiveness for the abortion. It's, and it's almost like I knew all of this time that I had rung up like, like billions of dollars of debt on like a credit card. And you know how like, if, if there's a debt that you can't pay, it's like, just don't even show it to me. I, 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 I can't even afford to look at it. I can't afford, like I, I would just, I would literally collapse if I looked at that. Um, but at the moment that you know you can pay it, it's like, oh, okay, well, let me go deal with that then. So, yeah, so it was interesting how all those things came together at exactly the same moment. And I was able to look at what I had done. And it was also at, at, on that exact same afternoon that I Googled image of a fetus at 12 weeks. And I saw very clearly that, the image in front of me was not the same as the little cotton ball mush in the Petri dish. A fetus of 12 weeks is a being that if I had seen, if I, if, if I, if I had seen that being, I would have broken down, you know, in the exam room right there, probably into a huge depression. So I'm, I'm not saying it like should have gone a different way. I'm not weighing in like that. Um, a, a fetus at 12 weeks has, um, you know, fingers and it has organs and little baby. It's a, it's a little tiny baby. Yeah. I looked at the image too. It's an actual baby, but it's like the size of a really teeny tiny but it's an actual baby wow. it really is it, it was, really this, was it, is. i had a quick I question was this um like an abortion clinic you went to or was it like a family gynecologist was it your mom's gynecologist? Oh, i mean it, um it was an OBGYN in in new york um mm-hmm. uh my my uh, my my parents work at or work, worked at columbia mm-hmm. uh university so that they're very kind of like partial to always going there so my mom you know had me come home from art school just to go to Columbia and see this doctor mm. yeah Erin so um, when this happened to you how, how how many years apart was this experience so you had the abortion at 24 you said yeah it could and have been when was it that you had this moment where you kind of confronted what you did how many uh, I, I would I, I was um 36 so uh, 16 years. okay so quite a few years yeah because I think yeah and I mean and it's yeah. not like I didn't think about it but I had no emotion around it you know I would occasionally have a thought of like huh 
he would be 10 now. Huh. And just, and, and that's it. And that would be the only thought I had. Um, so, when, so when you had this moment and then you went online and you saw what a 12 week old baby looks like, did you then say to yourself, wow, I was lied to? Um, Were you lied to? You know, I wasn't so much anger as it was sadness. It was just like the, 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 the weight of like, I, I, I articulated these words to myself for the very first time. I killed a baby and, mm. and having to like, look that in the face and get that you did that. It's like, it, it was shattering it was it was it, it it just it shattered it shattered this idea of who I thought I was um and I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm not saying like oh I was a good person and now it's it, it, it's it's not it's not even like that it, it, it just shattered my my conception of myself and what it means to be a sovereign being and and it it was deeply humbling because if I had, if I had been misled, I mean, I, I think I'm pretty smart. Like if I had been misled, then lots of people are misled, you know? Well, now it, when you say misled, what do you mean by that? Oh, um, well, you know, thinking back on it, it's like, there are some points in your life where, you know, th there are no good options. And probably at 24, there, there were no good options. Like having an abortion is not a good option and having a child, you know, with someone that is like, you're not serious about and you're so ill-equipped to take care of, like, that, that's probably also a bad option. So when you have two bad options, I mean, the only thing to ask yourself is like, how did I get here? And how I got there was through a lifetime of being raised with um, very specific messages about what it meant to be a woman, what sex was about, um, and... Uh, a kind of numbness around this whole thing of the, you know, the, 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 the reality of um, being pregnant. Um, so can you elaborate on some of that messaging? Yeah. What was the messaging you were raised with? Let's see yeah. if we relate to that. Yeah. Um, well, some of the messaging that I got early on was that, you know, having a, having a child before you've had a career really is what unambitious women do. <laughs> like that, that's for the kind of woman who, like, it was just a very, very negative picture painted in my mind. I'm not saying this is true by any means. I'm, I'm literally just saying like, this was my, the, the, like the, the picture I had in my mind, like you, you, you got pregnant and had a child at a young age. If you really didn't want much out of life, 
um, if you weren't, you know, smart, if you weren't talented, if you weren't going to do something in your life, because it seemed, you know, that the messaging was that having a child will hold you back, period. And even the, um, the OBGYN, you know, she was asking, so, you know, she, she was making conversation with me. She said, oh, you're in art school. And so she said, well, in 10 years, when you have your work in the MoMA and I go to your show and I see your work, I will be able to think, wow, I helped her get to where she is now because she's gonna, she gave me the abortion. And of course that, that never happened. (laughs) I mean, yes, I'm an artist. Um, but you know, the the last 12 years have been immeasurably challenging in so many ways. And I, I really can't say for certain that it would have been worse if, I mean, it, it would have been like less hard having a child. It may have been easier. And, you know, I, I might've had to grow up in a way that I have never been pushed to um, grow up in, in an emotional kind of way. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, go ahead. Continuing on this this um, conversation about the messaging that you were given, you mentioned you know the messaging you got around sex. Like, what was some of the messaging as a woman in your demographic? What did you receive in terms of the message around sex? That sex was meaningless, and um, anybody who told you that you should. And like anybody who had any kind of moral stance on sex um, was oppressing you. Yeah. And it's interesting how that ties back into that whole thing of like, you know, viewing the world through oppressed versus oppressor. It's like, so funny. Like, yeah, I, I thought that anybody who would say that you shouldn't do something that that person was also like a, you know, shake your finger and like reprimand you and try to oppress you. It's like, I had that all collapse in my head. And so, um, you know, I also considered myself a feminist. I read Virginia Woolf and I was just, it was very clear to me that I was part of a generation that was gonna, you know, that, that was distinctly different than any generation that had to come before than my mom's I should say and I really wanted to be good I I wanted to be good at it and so I wanted I wanted to be free (laughs) and so I I um I thought that somehow by having sex with like lots of different people that would um, I thought that was going to be the thing that was going to mature me in a way that I would be like worldly and wise, like, because I would, you know, I was doing this like forbidden thing. With, with my family dynamic, I was the first one in my family as a woman to be told marriage and motherhood is something you put on the back burner, um, where my grandmother and my mother, you know, didn't go to college, didn't have a career. They just went from their parents' house, married, had kids. And that's just what they did. It wasn't even a question, but my messaging was completely different. Very similar to yours, where it was like, yeah, you're going to go to college, you're going to get a career. And then you can think about 
settling down and having kids. And it was like having kids, very similar messaging was like motherhood was like the default. You know, it was like, yeah, well, if you are unsuccessful as a woman and if you can't have a career and kind of be just like a man, right? Sex when you want, with who you want, you do your own thing. That was the definition of free, liberated woman, right? And and then to get married and settle down and have a kid, it was like, uh, yeah, okay. That's like later on once you've become this great success. And, right. but to do that first, yes, I, I can relate to what you're saying. It was something that if you are not successful, then that's what you got yourself caught up in. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, the, the whole idea of like that liberated sex, it was like, it was a way the, you know, like the way the messaging came down the pipe for me was if you are sexually active with multiple partners, then you are sexually free. You've embraced your sexuality as a woman. You've embraced your sensuality as a woman. Mm-hmm. And even, it even went as far for me as you're even more spiritual, mm. right? Which is so opposite of what we read in the Bible, but it was just so inverted. So I, I personally can relate to a lot of what you're saying. Yeah, that's so funny. I, I'm hearing in what you're saying that like, um, that it's almost like you're embracing who you are, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like yeah. part of your identity. What year were you born, so Stephanie? How we all have such oh. different messaging. Yeah. I mean, mine, I have two completely different messages that I got that I just heard from the two of you. One is I I was not getting the message to run around and sleep with everyone and liberate myself. Um, That stood somewhat normal. Um, But the other message I got was um, it wasn't that motherhood was, you know, of a lesser scale and you need to go get a career. I think the messaging I was always getting was you can do both. You can, you can have it all. I think that was the message I was getting. So I, I thought both were great things to do. Um, I didn't think that one, certainly I was, I wanted the career kind of set up before I did it, before I did motherhood. Um, but I was totally on the path of like, I'm going to do both. So it's not a big deal. Or if motherhood happened to come first, I'll find a way to get my career afterwards. But um, I would definitely be doing both was like my message and my mission and, and, how, and how did that affect you, Cheryl? Did it work for you? Did it not work for you? Like, <laughs> well, no, it did not work at all. Um, <clears throat> and why do you think? But, um, well, you know, the career part started happening. It's, I think women get really burnt out fast because of how, how hard they have to work to get to the same place as a man. But, um, uh, the marriage and child thing, just, I, I absolutely kind of rode through life thinking, I mean, as sure as you guys know that God exists, that's how sure I was that I'm going to have a man and have kids. I mean, I was, I always had boyfriends, you know, I was a popular person, like a lovely person. I I was just like, how is that not going to happen for me? Mm. And, uh, it was an absolute nightmare. So, so it didn't happen. Um, but, and, and I think I still kind of look back and go, wow, what, 
the hell was I thinking? I would have, I would have, you know, been more strategic about, mm. you know, finding the right man and all that stuff. It, I, I just didn't think you had to, you know, make a project plan out of it. I, I just thought it naturally happened. Kind of like way I feel like all my friends naturally met a guy, even if they met a guy in a bar, they're all married with kids now. I mean, how, how come that didn't happen to me? How come everyone I met, I had to, you know, violently break up with, like it was always a nightmare. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. And, and um, Michelle, for messaging. yeah. And Michelle, you have your Michelle. So let's just let the listeners know out of the group, you're the oldest yeah. out of us, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you are in kind of like another generation. In yeah. Sense, right? yeah. Like, so um, you had a completely different message. Your messaging, it sounds like was more like what our parents or like my mother, right. parents' mother, and probably even Cheryl's mother was like. So why don't you share with your the listeners what your kind of messaging was and how it differs? Yeah. Well, my messaging growing up was um, you get married, you, you know, you graduate high school, get married and you start a family. That was it. There was no career. There was no college or anything like that. That, that at least that was in my family. Uh, you know, we, we had two girls and a, a sister and a brother we were treated differently. The girls were treated differently than my brother. My brother was the one who had had the career. But uh, as far as I went, and also just, I was afraid to have sex. I was afraid of my father. I was afraid, you know, he threatened us. You know, my dad was very, you know, he was very strict growing up. So just the idea of even having sex was scary for me. And, um, and yeah, so I didn't sleep, you know, with, with my boyfriends, you know, so there was that. Um, I mean, I, I did once, you know, when I was older, I think I was like 20, 20 years old. And, um, and I had, you know, and I was very immature. Like I thought, you know, once you have sex, you can have a kid. You know, I just thought that was how it went. You have sex, then you can have a baby. So I just remember, you know, having sex with this guy and um, that was, you know, it was my boyfriend, but it's a whole nother story. But anyway, um, and I, I thought I was pregnant, you know, like right away, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. So I went, I, I didn't understand abortion I didn't know you know because from what I did hear of because I remember in high school you know there were kids that were sleeping around and they had abortions and to me it was a clump of cells too I didn't know it was a life you know that, that's what I was taught no one really taught us what that what what it was to get pregnant and there was a human life it was just more of something you do so I know that if I got pregnant at that age you know I would have had the abortion out of fear of my father killing me because it would have been two deaths <laughs> You know, so, <laughs> so like for me, it was more like, oh my gosh, like that would be the only option. Like, cause I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to my parents. Oh my gosh, there's no way it would have to be like underground, you know? So thank God it didn't happen. Cause that, that just would have been, you know, scary, but also for myself, I wasn't a career minded person anyway, really my goal, I always wanted to be a mother. I always wanted to be a parent. I always wanted to get married and, and be the stay at home mom. I didn't, I wasn't a career minded person. I didn't want a career. So that was my, my mentality. But, um, but, you know, I just wanted to say one thing too. I know you said earlier that you had only two options. Um, you know, I don't know if there, there really is three options because adoption could have been another option. I don't know if that was ever presented to you, you know, cause I know you were saying you had two bad options, you know, the first, the abortion or, or, you know, have it. And those were two bad options. And I just was wondering, did adoption ever um, enter your mind? Um, 
No, okay. it didn't because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying those really were bad options, Yeah. but they occurred to me at the time, like all bad options. Right. Um, uh, being pregnant and then having the child, it was almost like that was the weirdest of the, the mm-hmm. of the three and then, and then giving it up for adoption because then um, I, I didn't think the thing that stopped me was the social stigma. Like, how am I going to walk to school right. and like right. tell people it was always like, what will people think? Right. I mean, I hate to, it sounds so like cliche, but when it comes down to it, that's what it was. I didn't want to walk around pregnant. I didn't want to go to family like holidays pregnant and like, right. And then and, and, and then there was also on top of it, this whole idea of like, and you shouldn't have to, I think that was from my mom. Like you shouldn't have to. Um, it's interesting. It's not like they, it's not like they, they actively encouraged me to like have sex and not like it, it, it's interesting, Michelle, how, how you have it very, like it comes right together. How, when you had sex, you were like, oh, I'm going to get pregnant. It's mm-hmm. like, I never, that thought was so in my mind. Like mm-hmm. that was like very theoretical, like out there, mm-hmm. um, which is bizarre. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was almost like my parents didn't talk about it, period. Like they were raised Catholic. So they had a, like a lot of, you know, f- finger, like, uh, Mm-hmm. like figure pointing is that figure pointing yeah so my parents were just like we're not gonna we're not gonna tell them anything um yeah um so Erin yeah. can we just jump back I'm just curious you know what was it that triggered that experience for you where you you have this abortion at 24 and then you know flash forward over 10 years later there's, you have this moment, like, what was it that you can remember? Like what, what triggered that? Um, because I was, I think I was just, what? Well, the, the actual events that triggered it was, it, it was the day after Thanksgiving last year, um, almost a year ago. And I had, I drank way too much on Thanksgiving, like just like way too much. And, you know, I, the, the morning after everyone is calling me and telling me like, oh, you were saying this and you were saying that. And do you remember doing this? And it was just like, no. <laughs> and, and I was just so, it wasn't just that I was, you know, hungover. It was also that I was, so nauseated that I was still doing this stuff. Like I've done so much, uh, like personal growth, like endeavors. Like I've wanted to be a better person with my whole heart. And I've tried, been trying to do that in like so many ways. And to just see myself act in this way that like, you know, is okay. If you're like, you know, 20 it was I was frustrated I was frustrated I was mad at myself I was fed up I was I was just I was literally just fed up um so it was all of that 
And I'm not sure exactly, like, that's all I can say to your question. I, I don't know exactly how those things are connected um, besides that. And then how did, okay, so what I'm hearing is that you, you got drunk and you had this moment of self-introspection and reflection where you were just like, oh, I'm so disgusted with myself. And then, and then that realization, how did, how did you go from that to, I mean, I'm just curious, you know, how did I mean, you go? It was, it was probably, I was probably like a thought of like, help me, like, um, uh, and what was your faith like at that point? Like, what were your beliefs at that point? When you were- oh, I was, um, I knew that there was God, like, a, how, how should I say this? I, I called God, you know, the universe. And I thought of it, God, as like, you know, the force that unites all of us, that keeps your heart beating, that keeps the planets in their spaces in the you know in, in in space um but i didn't have any personal relationship with god at all it was really just theoretical and kind of like appreciation um in in a very kind of general way um i was spiritual as in i was moved by spiritual things um, I had studied, you know, maybe seven years prior, prior, I had studied Buddhism and, um, I, I actually did address the abortion in a way at that time. I, I knew like at, at that time, how I interpreted it is, okay, I planted a karmic seed, like that, like that there's, there's no way that that can't, um, that that's not going to mean something. Like I did something specific that had a particular, you know, karma and so if I don't clean that karma you know something terrible is going to happen to me and um so I have to clean it it was still all totally selfish it was me wanting to you know just like make sure I was going to be okay and um so 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 there was no there was no remorse for the baby it had nothing to do it, it was not like that at all it was just a general understanding that probably what I did was wasn't the best. And there was a way to atone for that through an action. So I signed up to teach um, reading to underprivileged children at a school. I was living in, in New York City at the time. And I, I, there was one girl and one boy and I would go, um, I would go twice a week to do reading with them after school. I think the program was, was reading partners. And I did that for about um, a half a year. And I remember asking my teacher at the time, like, how do I know when the karma is clean? Like, how, how do I know? Yeah, how long do you have to teach to clear, exactly. clear that karmic debt? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And her answer was, you'll just know. And so I, there was a moment where I guess it was the end of the school year. And it's not, it's not like I had some magic moment. I was just probably like, oh, am I going to sign up for the next year? No. Um, and that was that. <laughs> so it's interesting. So what, what that's showing is, you know, this idea of your good deeds balance out your bad deeds. Exactly. Which is what a lot of false religions and stuff teach, you know, that you're, that's what Freemasonry teaches too. Your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. So yeah. 
so then how did you make the leap to Jesus? Because you, you mentioned that you had oh. Catholic parents, but it sounds like you weren't really involved in that. Oh, yeah, no. Like, how did you make in that moment? I'm just curious, you know, how well, did you move from I mean, it, that to Jesus? Yeah. it really would never have happened if it weren't for for Bill, my my now my now uh, fiance. Um, he had been he was, he was a believer, I guess, ever since he was, you know, quite young. Um, and he really explained it in a way that made so much sense to me. And he would just, and I was always interested, you know, it was always, um, so I, I think I just let, I, I just engaged in these conversations with him and he would talk to me about Jesus and he would say things offhandedly. And I guess I just, I, I, I guess also part of my spirituality was that I knew that it, things aren't random. So I took the fact that Bill in my life telling me about this particular thing wasn't random. And it's good to know that things aren't random because sometimes you have to do a little bit of the lifting to put the pieces together with the, you know, with what life presents you. At least that, that was how I viewed it. And I thought it, it is not random. And so I, I, so on top of, you know, that post that, that, that day after Thanksgiving, um, epiphany, I, I had a desire to, I don't, I don't even say no Christ, but to, it, to know what Bill knew, <laughs> like he, I, I always admired his faith. And um, I wanted, I, I, I guess I, I wanted it too. Mm. So th there was a way that it came to me and there was also a way that I was probably pulling it toward myself a little bit. Okay. All right. Well, oh, thank you, Erin. Um, you know, yeah. you mentioned to us offline that when you think back about your abortion, you you said you felt you really didn't have a choice because of all of these message, all the messaging you were given that you felt it really wasn't a choice. It was just, this is what you do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's anything more you want to elaborate on that or. Well, I, I guess I, I should have said earlier what I am. Um, the reason I, I, I wanted to come on your show and talk about this was that as I've been thinking about this, I've been, I've been becoming aware that what we, what our culture presents as pro-choice actually isn't pro-choice at all. It's pro-abortion. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you happen to have, you know, um, knowledge of like the pro-life option from maybe your your parents, well, fine, then you can have that. But that's never taught in school. It's never talked about in popular culture. And I just think that the pro-life stance and the pro-life view is written off and characterized, well, like, like a caricature. It's, it's, it's really just kind of um, relegated to um, the, 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 the box of like beliefs that are archaic and you don't have to pay any attention to them. 
um, they're, they're, they're literally not presented as worthy of needing to contend with, um, which is bizarre because, you know, if we say we value science, well, okay, like, let's look, look at the facts of science. Like the facts of science are that a baby at 12 weeks looks like this. It's like, those are the facts. And as far as I'm concerned, a choice is made when you have facts. Now, could I have Googled the picture of the baby? Sure. The point is though, at 24 years old, I didn't have the, what am I, I, at, at 24 years old, I didn't have, I didn't have the wherewithal to even, I didn't have the wherewithal to even, I was so frightened. I was frightened. Um, I was frightened and I was ashamed and I just wanted to make it go away. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even really want to know what a baby looked at it at 12 weeks to, to tell the truth. I really didn't even want to. It was like, it, it's interesting that I, you know, I asked the doctor to, to see it after the fact, but I didn't want to research before the fact because I literally didn't, didn't want that. I didn't want that to mess up my ability to get it done. It, it's, it's so perverse. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's hard to even say it. Um, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying as far as the pro-choice. That was like actually going to be my next question. So ha, like, are you, are you like on the pro-choice or pro-life after all this experience? Like, where do you stand? I understand what you're saying as far as the pro-choice. You didn't really have a choice because you didn't, yeah. you didn't know what the baby looked like. So you didn't get to say, well, you know what? I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do it, you know, cause this is a baby. You didn't really have yeah. a choice. So just curiosity, like has that experience, I don't know if you're pro-life or pro-choice, but has that changed? Are you now, Rick, what's, what stance are you on now? I um, I'm pro-life, mm-hmm. but well, there are two questions. Like one question is, is it, should it be legal? And then another question is, is it moral? Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of things that are immoral that are still legal. And I actually don't think it's the government's place to restrict things. I, I think that the less the government does, the better in general. Um, now, is it immoral? That's a totally different question. And that's, I guess, the question that I'm, I mean, c- clearly, I, I know now it's not. Um, but I didn't know that before. And it, and it's not all, you mentioned, Michelle, um, that the choice was limited because I didn't see the, the image of the baby. It wasn't just that. It was like, to have the strength to be a 24-year-old girl and own the fact that, yeah, you're pregnant mm-hmm. and you're going to give it up for adoption, like that in, like that, ha- there's a strength of character required that I, you know, I have that now. I could do it now, but I couldn't do it at 24 years old. I, I just, thanks. I, I just, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't that developed as a person. And um, so I, I, I couldn't, the, the idea of, um, and, you know, questions from relatives, like that was enough to make it like, no, 
you know? Um, so it, it was in that way that I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice because I didn't have a support right. network that, you know, just, I, I so don't want to, like my mom is a wonderful, lovely person and I love her very much. So I don't want to put it all on her. And, you know, if I were surrounded with women who were going to teach me how to, uh, you know, be with all of those emotions and be encouraging and even, you know, speak for me if I couldn't speak myself, that would be different, you know, but I didn't have either of those. I didn't have the personal strength of character and I didn't have a support system that would pull for such a thing as mm -hmm. uh, having a baby and giving it up for adoption. Yeah. You make, you make the point with the support because I think about Joe's parent, my husband's parents, my husband's mother, actually, um, she was in the 50s, this happened, I guess, or actually the, the 60s. Um, she got pregnant um, from a guy that she was just dating or whatever, didn't, they didn't, they weren't going to get married or anything. And she got pregnant. But back then what they did was they sent her all away to like an mm -hmm. aunt's house and where she gave birth and right away put the baby up for adoption. So it, it was, you know, and she was a little bit younger. She was in her early 20s and they did that. But I guess you know, yeah, she had her mother kind of make the decision for her or had, you know, mm -hmm. the support of an aunt that took her in and took care of her while she, you know, did all this. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that's important too. Like if, you know, you're a young girl, like you said, you know, you didn't have the, the mind to think like that. So, yeah, yeah. I think about that. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting that, um, that. It's sad that if, um, if people want to be pro-life, I mean, everybody wants to be pro-life, of course. Um, you know, women, women don't, uh, I saw this meme the other day. It was so good. It was like, women don't want abortions in the same way we want ice cream and Ferraris. We want abortions in the same way that an animal is trapped in a cage and needs to cut it and needs to gnaw its leg off in order to get out. It's like that. It's not like a lovely choice, but yeah. um, if pro-lifers really want to be pro-life, it's, it's really an all-in package. I mean, you got to be supportive. You know, you can't be shaming women, you know, you mm -hmm. go all in. And then when, you know, when the baby comes, you know, um, how are we all going to handle this? Mm -hmm. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's just it. You know, I, I, I think, you know, making it illegal at this point would be actually destructive, mm. you know, because how can you make it illegal for a mm -hmm. culture of people that you've raised in such a way that abortion would be inevitable given how you raise them? Mm -hmm. so, I, um, I feel, yeah, okay. You know? Right. So I, 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 I see that. I see that. And, 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 you said something um, um, earlier in, in what you just said that, you know, it like, like, like an animal in a cage having to gnaw your leg off. That, I, I, I resonate with, that was my mentality. And, and I think that's that, that view right there. That's the view though, that we're taught that's what that is. You know, we're taught that your life depends on it. Like you will die if you don't have this. Your career will be over. 
if you don't have this. There, there's no, like the mentality is, is very fear-based. And, and it's interesting you brought that up because that's, that's such a very, it's a very vivid um, way of speaking about it. And there's so much fear intrinsic in that. And I guess, so, so on one hand, I'm, I'm resonating it with it as in I remember think having those exact thoughts and now I'm a little suspicious of it not a little I'm 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 quite I'm quite suspicious of it I'm, I'm suspicious of that fear um and that drama that you know in in I'm, I'm not saying I'm suspicious of you but I'm, I'm suspicious of that whole mentality no I know what you mean and it, and it's certainly understandable um, you know, and certainly in the beginning, um, when you first find out you're pregnant there, that's a totally different abortion choice and question than there is say later on in the pregnancy when there's, um, abnormalities and, um, chromosomal mismatching that, you know, the baby isn't going to even live. So, you know, again, those are those questions where, you know, you can't, that has to be left up to a mother and a doctor to figure out what's best for her because she's a human being too. Um, but I well, think if, yeah, those cases I think are like very slim, far, far, you know, that that's different. I think, um, yeah, I'm on a total opposite spectrum of you guys for sure. I, I believe that I, I understand I don't, the government shouldn't have to, you know, tell people to do things or not do things. I get that part of it and, and cer certain aspects of it. We can push it. for better education, right. but well, yeah, but, but the, the government out of it. That's right, for sure. but, right, but I feel, I do feel that abortion, somebody has to protect the unborn child. So that's why I kind of feel like there, it should be illegal because, <laughs> the, the, wait, but, yeah, because the, the unborn child is a baby. And whether, you know, once it's conceived and the egg meets the, the, the sperm and the egg and all that, it's a baby. And it's, 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 it's a baby that is not, is in, in somebody that who's going to protect it. So you have to have. Right. So the abortion laws are there to protect the it's, unborn it's child. It's to protect the unborn child. And that's, that's, that's how I see it. Just like that. But um, you said I, there are certain situations. Right. Where but, right. It okay. Yeah. No, it should so be then it, the only way, that? Wait, the, 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 how that way, how that should be is just like when you go to a doctor and, you know, they say that you know, I'm going to use the gallbladder thing. You know, you, you go, you got this test, all sorts of tests before they take the gallbladder out. You have to go through a series of tests to make sure whether it's second opinion, third opinion, if the mother's going to have a baby and that the first test says there's something wrong with it, it's not going to survive. Well, go to a second opinion or third. And there has to be protocol before they go ahead and make that decision. That's, that's different than going in. And, and okay, so you're, you're talking about prior to first trimester um, it, is well, what you want illegal. Well, no, no, it need the, it should be illegal all around. You should not, there should not be, you should not kill a baby no matter what. That's different than what you're saying is um, if there's something wrong with the baby and it's going to jeopardize the mother's life, that's a whole, that's a whole nother. That's but then separate. the doctor wouldn't be able to do anything because no, it's that's separate. That has to be, um, there's, no. that has to be a separate law, but also wait real quick education wise. I think that 
it needs to, why are people sleeping around? That's the bottom line. Don't have sex and you won't have to be in that, that people need to, people need to educate the children. Don't sleep around. Point, you know, we have to start sooner. You got to start, you gotta start right. Like my father, yes, my, my, father wait, my father Education. was strict. Wait, my father, my mother used to tell me all the time, why buy the cow when you get the milk for free? That was stuck in my brain since I was a child. Don't, don't have, don't, don't sleep with the guy. Don't do it. You know, if you, if you, then you won't be in that mess. And a lot of the young kids today are not getting that message. They need more education on what's going to happen because now look at the dilemma that, you know, the, the repercussions of what's happening and happening now, how many babies well, are, are being killed? Yes. Yes. But, but, but I think the idea of taking, you know, a phrase that was common in like, you know, the fifties, like I, my, my grandfather used to say that like, mm -hmm. nobody wants an old shoe. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's just like it's, <laughs> so and it's like and it's like and it and um and so i mean i don't think we should shame right, it's not shame it's like how, how could you teach um teach kids to value uh sex with a partner who you who you've committed to be with for you know your foreseeable future Right. Um, and also not shame anybody for not doing that because what we don't want to do is we don't like that because that idea of like, oh, you're not a virgin, therefore you're not valuable. Like that's also archaic and we, and we want to make sure we don't go to that end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's, so it's, I think it's important to, um, I, I, I feel like if individuals are empowered to make an actual choice, for, for example, the government doesn't have to do anything. Now, if, if you put like the mind I have now in that 24 year old girl who got pregnant, I, I wouldn't make the same choice, you know, and the, the, it doesn't matter what the government, if, if like it, it, the, the, the unborn child is safe from my bad choices because I've been given, um, education. Um, so I think that that's, that, that's, that's the ideal way. It's, it's more of a um, bottom up way of causing change rather than top down. I think the top down is, um, is, is, is oppressive. And, um, you know, it's, it's reminiscent of a time that women really didn't have the opportunities that we do have. I mean, it's not like the 1950s was all was, you know, wonderful for women. Right. Um, but, you know, there are some ways that it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I love that top down is not the way that. to go. What does that mean? Top Bottom down? up is the way I, to go. I don't understand well, I top down. That, I think Explain this, top this, down. This, this is like getting back to what Aaron was saying is that all these mess, all these messages that she was given early in her life is what ultimately led her to have a particular mindset that when she was faced with this decision, should I have an abortion or not? She said, I'm, I'm going to have an abortion based on all of these, all of these right. messages. Right. And so when you guys are saying we need to fight this from the bottom up, not top down, what I would agree that with that. What that does that mean? To what you're saying that we need to start changing these messages. We need to start, you know, instead of like what Aaron and I were raised with, that sex really isn't the sacred thing within marriage, but rather it's this free, you know, thing you can mm -hmm. do whenever you want with whoever you want. And wow. that was the example of a liberated, sexually free woman. Yeah. Uh, we have to start changing that message. And, and, get back to, you know, encouraging women to be more modest, value sex, you know, uh, have respect for themselves and stuff like that. And again, 
I like how Erin is separating things where she's saying, is it legal or is it moral? And when it comes to sex, we can say, is it culturally correct? And, and, and where, where is it immoral, right? So again, those, those would be two different questions, um, you know? So, but yeah, this idea of fighting it from the bottom up starts can there. Can you explain what that means? I don't understand what you mean by the bottom up or top down. I don't get that. Well, I mean, the bottom up is, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a power structure. So like the governments and those who make the laws and enforce them, that's, you know, the top. And the bot and, and you know between that you have administrators and people who enforce the law, et cetera. And then at the bottom you have um, the people mm-hmm. who t- to whom those laws um, affect. Mm. So when you have change that comes from the top, meaning the government imposed on the people, um, that's uh, well, I mean. That, that, that's common in a lot of governments around the world and to some extent our own. But to have, to have a change that really comes from the bottom up, like that originates from the people, right. like the people's, the people's needs, like the people's desires, that's actually changed from within. You right. know, it's it like- It doesn't matter what the laws are. Right, right. I get that. Yeah. And it's much- we're, we're better off having the, the, the families- Yes. you know, teach better, yes. teach their children better right. so that, yes. so that this doesn't happen rather exactly. than it happening. And then the government has to come down and make laws that, that are kind of tone deaf to what people need. Right. Right. Exactly. But, but, and I get that, but it's, I think it's almost, it's kind of too late because the, the, the bottom has failed, you know, the society has failed their children, their pay, people are having kids, putting them in daycare. They're not taking, you know, they're, they're all, they, they rather have the career or not have sure, it. It's an epidemic. It's I an epidemic. No one, you know, other people are raising other people's kids. They're not really raising their kids. It's not, you know, so it's right. kind of out of hand. So that's where I kind of feel like, well, the government has to step in and protect the unborn yeah, but the, the government, the government can't come in to, to just, you know, start slapping illegalities on things and expecting everyone to just suddenly figure out how to make that work. You can't make something illegal if there's if there's no way around it. I know, so but, but either I'm going back to the unborn child. In place, I, I or get some education in place. All right. So what do you think of this idea? Give me the give me give me what what you think about this. A pregnant woman gets shot and killed, and the baby dies too. The guy goes to jail for double homicide. So what is that? Because that means because she, it's her choice. If he kills. A, a baby that she's carrying, whether she was planning on carrying it all the way through or whether she was going to change her mind, it's her business. She killed the baby. But period. she got killed. I don't get it. She got, but the government is seeing it, but, but, but it's illegal to kill the unborn child. So I, I think there's this other question that is like, is an unborn fetus, does it have like intrinsic value? Yeah. You know, it's like, does it have value? Or not, and um, it's almost like if the woman wants the abortion, we say, "Oh, okay, the fetus has no intrinsic value." But like in you know your example, Michelle, with a, a woman, I'm, I'm you know assuming that she wants to have her baby and she's pregnant. It's like that fetus does have intrinsic value, and if you harm that child, like like there are major repercussions. 
So, um, it's almost like, it's almost like we're speaking out of just like, what is the expression? Like one end of your mouth. It's like, it's like, we get to, we get to choose if there's value, but that is, that's true though, because it's actually, no, no, I'm just saying that's how, that's how we're operating. Oh yes. yes, I'm about to abort it. It's not valuable. If I'm going to carry it, it is valuable. But that's that's just logic. However, I know logical. I think that's awful, but as soon as the baby arrives on the outside of the womb, we do the same exact thing. Certain babies have more value than others. Some are in cages right now. Nobody gives a shit. What? I mean, nobody. Yeah, you still don't kill a kid just because really? of that. You know, it's really? Like, yeah, I think you don't shouldn't kill. Either way, look, the government. There's, there's right, children starving all over this country right now, and nobody yeah, cares. Yeah, but it, no, people do care. There are people that care. The government pays for. Do you see? I mean, the government. You're saying the government shouldn't you know, step in or anything. Well, and then what about the welfare? What about people are there be there are people living there, they don't even have to work, because they're getting everything. They get checks, they get food stamps, they go shopping, these big, they get their nails done, they got cell phones, they're not working, the government is paying for them. So you can't say that they're not being taken care of. People are being taken care of. It's not like they're living in the street. America is like the richest country. And people are starving. Well, why? I mean, there are people. Have you been to a city lately? There's yeah, plenty uh-huh. of people living on the street. Yeah, there sure are. But there's no reason for them to live in the street. There's place, there's shelters they can go to. They're just, there's something within their mind. Because if they were, you know, they're mental. They're, they're, I, I just, I just gave somebody money the other day. I, you know, he was out of, he was like not in his right mind, but he was being fed. He, you know, people were feeding him and, I don't know. I just, I just feel like, anyway. I, I'm just, I'm just yeah. curious, um, Cheryl, like, what do you make of that, that, um, that the woman who's carrying the baby chooses whether or not the baby has value depending on if she wants to have it or not? Like, what do you, because, because it's, I mean, I know you to be coming from like the law, like the, the, the mindset that, you know, we like, um, like that's, that's where my parent my parents come from and my background and, you know, it's logical, scientific, but that makes no logical sense. Like, so how do you square with that? Um, because I, I just, it's a hard question, Aaron. Um, but I will always, I will always just come back to it's, it's her choice. Now, should we be educating ourselves or, you know, our, our, our children better so that, you know, they don't, um, they don't look at it the way we did. Sure. But you, you can't tell someone what to do. Well, but what, but what if, what if, for example, cause you know, all women are different. So, you know, like in China, for example, just say you find out a, a woman finds out the sex of her child and she, she, uh, she doesn't want a girl. It's a girl. She doesn't want a girl. And so she has an abortion because she wants to have a boy. Like, what do you think about that? I think it's ridiculous. Right. But do you think she be, she should, um, so you think it's immoral? I mean, she should, should she be allowed to do it? You know, and, and at what point do you draw the line? You know, maybe there's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally, I totally understand. And look, and one scientist again, personal choice. Um, would I do that? Absolutely not. Um, but I, I just can't, I, I just can't imagine forcing someone else to go through something that they don't want to go through. 
yeah. I guess I go by with the Lord. You know, that's why I go back to the Bible. I know that you you don't believe the Bible, but that's why God says don't sleep around, don't have sex but, unmarried. That's the that's the bottom line. If you can't, but mentally, I, if you can't mentally, if you can't mentally handle the repercussions, then don't do it. Don't. It's don't, funny. There's there's yeah. so much wisdom in that, and it's presented to us in such an elegant way, and we just like go out of our way all of this drama to try and like do it ourselves it's like classic um oh i was gonna say something i'm totally blanking on what i was gonna say um i was gonna ask cheryl, well, cheryl a question seem to, you know wisdom comes with age you don't you don't know this stuff when you're a teenager <laughs> oh i, I, I knew it i kind of knew it my parents well, said don't do it and i didn't do no. it <laughs> my, but my question is um, so the, the unborn fetus is actually, it's like, it's a separate per, Okay. So, so we say like uh, one argument for pro-choice for, you know, or for having an abortion is, um, my body, my choice, like no one should tell me what to do with my body, but a fetus is not her body. Like the fetus is not your body. It's a separate entity that is housed inside your body. Like when we, um, when, when we ask a, a, a pregnant woman how she's doing, we ask like, how's the baby? You know, like it's a separate, mm-hmm. it's a separate entity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like the moment the baby's born, if she wants to take that child and like dump it in the garbage can, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. that's a huge crime. Mm-hmm. Well, why, like, what's the difference like, why aren't we enraged right. a couple months earlier? Yeah. That she's like, you know what? This is too hard for me. I don't like, you know, she gives yeah. all of her reasons. It's like, um, I agree. Well, the it, difference it, it, is, is that yeah. in our, the books on our law, uh, the laws on our books are, um, especially, you know, Roe v. Wade, which we're all familiar with. It really has to do with, um, you're, you're just not you're just not allowed to use another person's body to save your own. Um, I can't, you know, if, if Stephanie was going to die, unless I gave her my kidney, I'm allowed to say no. And she she'll die. Like we're not allowed to use each other's bodies to survive. So a fetus falls under that in terms of, I don't want someone hooked up to me to, to, you know, a parasite, so to speak. Um, I don't have to, allow it you know well you might not want that but you know and, I, and i'm just speaking legally here i'm not saying that's oh, yeah. how i feel about it you know i'm just yeah. saying that's, that's i just i mean that 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 languaging strikes me as um almost um like shockingly i i know i know you're literally just like quoting the law and it just strikes me as sh- as shockingly callous mm-hmm. um in a way that i don't think i've ever it's never I haven't heard that before. Maybe that's interesting. Um, almost like like um, an, an infant, even in the womb, it didn't ask to be here. Right. You made the choices, mm-hmm. Pre- presumably. Look, there, there are capes, cases of rape and incest, and I think that that's a separate category that we can discuss l- later, but mm-hmm. in many ways it's overlapped. But you made the choices to have that being come into existence. So actually you're responsible for the fact that it's alive. It's not like a, a leech mm-hmm. that um, just showed up on, on you know, like you're, right. you're swimming and now it's just on your leg and now you, you get to pull it off. I, I absolutely mm-hmm. agree with you. I mean, I, I, I value the infant too. 
It's just that um, the, what angers me, I would say that, of course, there's anger in my voice. What angers me is you can't say it's a life and you're forced to birth it, but then there's no other responsibility or support system anywhere else available. Like yeah. go all that? in. Where, where do you see you know, that, that? No one. Yeah. Let me, let me say this to you yeah. because everyone keeps saying you created that baby. Okay. Hello. No one has mentioned a man in this conversation ever. None. No one has mentioned a man in any conversation ever. Yeah. How come he has a choice to walk away? Why yeah. isn't there a law saying right. you, if a woman is pregnant, he is legally obligated to stand by her and yeah. support her and parent that child yep. too. I Why agree. is that? That sounds, I agree. That sounds I agree. almost, almost put a legal yeah. in an illegal incentive to link sex to marriage because as the law is written right now they're totally separate separate worlds i think that's and i'm not saying i agree with forcing two people together like that at all what i'm saying is it should be a man is allowed to walk away so yeah well that's interesting Aaron. so what you're saying is if there was a law like if we're gonna put laws on the books you're saying if there was a law that connected sex between a man and a woman with now they're legally married. Is that what you're saying? So Cheryl, Cheryl brought, brought that up. Like, what would it be like if um, there was a legal, you know, onus on the man, whoever mm. impregnated the woman that right. okay, now she's pregnant. So now you're involved too. Yeah. And, right. and, and Cheryl's, um, you know, pointing to the, and, and, and I totally get this, the anger that it should all be on the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And you're right. That is, that is Perhaps not abortion. Just- abortion numbers would go way down yeah. if a woman didn't have to do it all by herself. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. Well, well but my, that, you know, but going back point. to what Aaron said, Aaron, are you saying one suggestion to solve that as a solution would be to, to link marriage, uh, sex with now you're married. Is that what, is that what you said? Oh no, I, no, I, um, I you didn't force marriage. That. I'm talking about forcing parenting. That there, there should be some um, some responsibility that you know, and some men will do this without the law prompting them. Um, but there should be a law there to safeguard those women who happen to have a partner who doesn't uh, believe that or want that. Right. Um, where does no one, support fall? No one teaches that? men that they they can't have sex or that they don't have a right to sex whenever they want. So you can't just teach women to keep their legs closed. Well, it needs to be both. It definitely, you I, know? you're right, you're right. I didn't think of the men, but you're right. It needs to be. I mean, this is, both, this is like, this is like how often women are taught how to not get raped and no one's teaching men not right. to rape. Right. So let's right. go. Gosh, there are so many things in, uh, missing. Well, and this goes back to, to the messaging. Probably mm-hmm. there's messaging that men get, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I think, you know, close I think naturally, our natural state is to um, is is to protect those who are uh, more vulnerable than we are. And so, for a mother, the natural, like her natural state, if you don't give her any confusing messaging, and she sees, um, and 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 you know, the ultrasound, she sees that child. I even remember being feeling a little proud that I was pregnant. I was like. Yeah, I'm pregnant, but I was like, you can't latch onto that feeling because that's going to go away. But like to teach her to, you know, pr- protect 
um, the fetus and to teach the men to protect women. It's like, that's not, there's nothing, there's nothing pejorative about that. It doesn't mean that men are like, you know, more, more powerful or, you know, it doesn't mean that men are oppressing women if they protect them. There's this whole thing of this whole theme of protection that is totally missing from masculinity in general, I think in our culture. And it, um, it's, it causes huge problems because men don't know how to behave. Men don't get a sense of pride out of doing something that they're actually wired to do. And men, like if they're raised in a particular way, get a lot of pride out of like, out of provide, like providing, protecting, making life a little easier for like his woman. It's like, that's, that's, I think that's, that's how we've, that's how we're meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, going back to the, the Bible, like it, 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 Adam's failure, like the very first failure was that he didn't protect Eve. Um, and so here she is with the serpent all by herself and she makes the wrong choice. It's like Adam knew more than she did about this particular thing. So in that way, he's, you know, um, he should have been protecting her and he failed to do that. So, and, 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 and I agree with you. It always did, uh, Cheryl, it always did anger me how the onus was always put on, on Eve. You know, the woman is always blamed. Um, but now I read, I read it differently. Um, and I read that, yes, she made a mistake and Adam made an equal and in, in like arguably greater mistake in having his protection just be you know he was totally negligent mm -hmm. um i'm not sure how i got on that I, I meant to respond to what you were saying and i feel like i kind of led us astray <laughs> well, i think what you're i think what you're pointing out is this role that god god-given role of a man and a god-given role for a woman where the the husband is the head of the home and of and, and the covering of the woman and it, it sounds like what you're saying is that that has been lost to a large degree in our society well it's interesting and i think that the reason it has been lost is it going back to the postmodern lens that you're, you're either the oppressed or you're the oppressor it's like that idea is not compatible with having uh, the head of a household because it's almost like those, those those two ideas are not compatible together because if you're looking at everything through oppressor versus oppressed, you'll see the situation where the man is the head of the household as inherently um, he's, he's oppressing her. And that's not what it is at all, but we've been so conditioned to see everything in terms of, um, you know, uh, of, of duality of, of oppressed versus oppressor in particular. Um, so that that idea of men being the head of the household, I'm not sure how you introduce that into a culture that has been so primed to reject such an idea, but I agree that would be a great place to start if you could pull that, you know, if you can pull that off. Well, Aaron, I, I always embraced that model and always wished I had it, mm. but I happen to, I come from a family where, um, the women were just stronger than the men. The men were all weaklings who didn't accomplish anything and didn't support anybody and didn't, you know, they were just like, I grew up with, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I just, I grew up where like most of the men in the family were losers, you know? Mm. So I kind of grew up with that. I'm not relying on a man kind of thing. Oh. Uh, 
And while I, I mean, my voice is shaking because God, I'd give anything to be in an old school model where the guy was protecting me and I was protecting the children would love it. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it was never, it just was never an option for me. My family didn't do it for me. I never. And of course that, that modeled the kind of men I would date. Um, They were certainly successful, but they weren't um, nurturing to me or protective of me. Um, They were more like, you know, um, I'm successful and I'm, and I'm going to go out and do whatever the hell I want. Um, you know, I just never got that protective guy. So I had to, you know, move about kind of doing my own thing and, um, you know, you just never know what kind of situation, you know, it's not like, it's not just that women have rebelled against those, you know, what if, what if I was home with no job and my husband was beating the shit out of me every day? I mean, I deserve to move, to move along and not rely on him. Mm -hmm. Um, What if my husband, you know, what if I'm pregnant and, you know, I'm in a very abusive marriage. I may not want to birth this child where I'm tied to this jerk for the rest of my life and everybody hates me and all this stuff. I mean, people have decisions they need to make. Sure. You know, it's then, not just women no, that are I, like being defiant. No, I understand. And I understand you also know? You know, how you were raised. It was almost like you didn't, in many ways, you didn't have a, a choice. It's like you were conditioned to see men a particular way. It's like kind of like, I don't want to say useless. It sounds a little harsh, but like, but basically useless. Yeah. You know? no, I, that's the, <laughs> I, I'm sorry that I said losers. You're, the, the word actually is more like useless. Like we're taking care of them. Like they're little babies anyway. Right. So right, right, it's right. kind of like, what do I need to, you know, marry one for? It'll just be like I, another kid I have to take care of. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get that. I get that. Um, but, you know, I just want to make it clear. I'm not some, you know, successful, uh, powerful woman going, I don't need that shit. I'd give anything to have that. Well, yeah. And I think that's what we're (laughs) we're saying is that it's, it's lost, you know, the gender roles. Where are they is really the question. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not rejecting it. I'm saying where, where the heck is it? (laughs) Women's lib changed it. I guess when the women stood up and they, well, that didn't help. That didn't didn't help. help. But yeah, I mean, both gender roles are messed up. Yeah. It didn't help, but you can't blame women because if, if they needed to make decisions and they weren't allowed to, then they had to go liberate themselves. If a guy was taking, let me put it this way. If a guy was taking good care of me, I wouldn't find it necessary to go out and get my own job and be independent. But if he was being a jerk to me or beating me up or disrespecting me all the time, I would find a reason to go out and, and be independent. Yeah. So Wow. Yeah. Blame women's lib on that if you want. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think when we take a look back over the generations, we can definitely see a shift away from these old school, probably more biblically aligned values to where we are now. Now, um, Aaron, you mentioned offline to me something about, you know, is there an underlying agenda at play here? This might be a good time to yeah. discuss that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it all happened by accident or by design? No, no, no. I I think that in the 1960s, um, a lot, a lot of things happened all at the same time. I think in general, and and, and this, this, this is, I, I, I'd like to make a, you know, I, I wish I could make a more elegant transition 
to this, but I think that our government as we know it and our country as we know it is, it's not what we think. And there are people who hide behind the guise of the government, not just in our country, but in every major country and are profiting in ways that, I mean, they are so wealthy that it's like, you don't even know their names. It's like, they're so wealthy that they can afford to not have their name be anywhere. And, you know, they've been, they've been, they're pushing us and we can even see it in our current political landscape. Like we're being pushed toward this one world government and guess who's going to run that? They are, they want to set it up so that they get to run it. So it's like all of us get to be equal under, you know, the supposedly equal under socialism, but they're the ones who are going to profit big time. And the thing about evil is that it grows, I think, in proportion to um, how much power somebody has. So if someone has a lot of power, their ability to do evil is just is exponentially greater. Because it was in the 1960s that we had a couple of, um, well, we, ha we had big efforts to overall haul all kinds of things in our world. Um, and one of them was the women's liberation, quote unquote, liberation. Um, and it's really interesting. I don't know, it, it, it's like such, it, it's so well thought out um, this idea of devaluing sex, right? That like that, that was the sixties, like free love. And as soon as you devalue sex, like that act and you make it so that it's just like recreation, which is what happened. Um, there are a bunch of other things that follow suit naturally. Um, because we start to, well, women immediately start to see their, um, their bodies differently. And men see, let me see, let me, men start to see their role in the world differently. Men start to see women as um, um, like pleasure, entertainment versus a sacred being I need to protect. Um, I'm not saying like there, there's, there's, there's no, there's no, um, there are no structures in place set up so that men will do that. Um, the, the blueprint set up for us is, you know, follow your bliss. <laughs> like, um, and this whole, and so of course women don't, don't identify their body as something worthy of like, like, Um, I, I, I kind of, I kind of, I lost my train of thought. What I'm saying is that the, the, the most powerful, the, the, the most effective way for people to take power over a whole country, a whole world of people is to cut off those people's ability to have meaning 
in their lives and to have any sense of, 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 um, of, of sovereignty in their life and, 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 and any, any sense of knowing themselves as th- th- them, themselves as, you know, a daughter of God, a son of God. It's like, if you thought of yourself as that, like, even if you just like tried it on for a second, like I am a daughter of God, like, how would you act if you really believed that? Right. How would you, if you were a son of God, how would you, if you really believed, if to, if to you, that's who you were, how would you live your life? And so it's not an accident. At the same time, we cut God out of our lives. It still started in the 60s. That it's the same time that this whole culture of free love is introduced. The gender roles start going out the window. Yep. Uh, abortion becomes legal. The pill happens at the same time. I think this was very well thought out and the expected result um, is that we are in chaos yeah. and we're in chaos. Legalizing homosexual marriage now. Yeah, we, need to, we need to bring it back. That's all it needs to start. I mean, not that's all, it's not that easy, but yeah, you're right. It just needs to start with God again. And we need to bring God back in to the homes and the men need to lead. And, um, and that's it. And then hopefully the next generation will um will change yeah but there are so many forces working against you you know for example if you say that michelle in any um in any you know public setting you're inevitably going to get vilified by the other side which i always find so interesting it's like Mm -hmm. i never hear you know more conservative leaning people well, actually, they, they, they do vilify um, progressive-leaning people. What am I? Um, oh, but, yes, know, they do. But, but there, there used to be this, this whole, um, like, a spirit of, um, like, disagreement used to be good. It, it used to be, I mean, I feel like pre-1950s, it used to be an American value to um, be challenging the status quo all the time to be like challenging what you were taught to be challenging, um, to, to to be challenging authority. And all of a sudden it's like flipped. And I noticed that in college, you know, asking a question and getting, you know, I was, I was asking a question about, well, really how, how is it that Muslim people are overrepresented in group of people who have, um, who are in terror attacks, who cause terror attacks, literally, like, why are the, why are they overlapped? Like almost from a, from a totally detached position. Like, I I just want to know why, Uh, but that question in and of itself was seen as Islamophobic. I'm basically a Nazi and you have to stop saying those kinds of things. And it's almost like now you're, you're not allowed to question anything and you're a bad person if you do. And they call you all of these names and your job security is threatened and your social network is, is, is threatened. And, you know, we're taught to just follow in lockstep with what we are told. And actually the term conspiracy theory, that term was invented in the sixties specifically to discredit any narrative that wasn't the official narrative. Okay, and again, just to connect this all back to uh, what you were saying in the beginning of the show, 
your, from your perspective, you feel that because of this global agenda um, that the satanic forces are perpetrating, you believe that these messages to get people to have a different view of sex, a different view of motherhood, and all these things that we were talking about, abortion and so on, are purposely filtered through the society, through TV and all this kind of stuff, right? Yes. To, to get our minds thinking in those directions. Is that exactly that's and how I understand what you're saying? Yes. Okay. And, and even Planned Parenthood, it, it's a, dis, it's, and, and how that language is very powerful. You know, if you take sure. the, the word, the word world, if you take the R away, it's, it's uh, no, if you take the L away, it's, it's word, like words are your world. Like the, the, it's, and it's not an accident that those letters are that way. Like, um, there are no accidents. Um, and to call Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood, it's like, okay, who, who would ever object to that? Parenthood should be planned. That's wonderful. But what you don't realize is that the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sang Sanger, I, I believe her last name is, was a renowned, like she was a vehement racist and was practicing eugenics she and if you read her writings she believed that that black people were inferior and interestingly if you look at where the abortion clinics are they are predominantly in 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 neighborhoods that um have a a a, a black population like these are that's the kind of evil that thinks like that's actual racism. Actual racism is thinking that one race of people isn't has more intrinsic value than another and thinking that you're doing good work by creating a society that has less of the bad and more of the good. And Thank so God Planned Parenthood has evolved and has helped so many women with testing. And I know I used them a lot when I was younger because I didn't have insurance and they were a lifesaver for me. Well, Yes, but, but, you know, a couple of years ago, there was an undercover person who um, compiled a lot of evidence about how, what, the, what happens to the aborted babies, and how there is a market, an underground market for, 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 for the fetus, because our, our genetics, our, our DNA is infinitely valuable. And that's the kind of thing that these, peop these people in the Council of Foreign Relations aren't, re relations are involved in. Like, remember Epstein, like we, you know, Epstein, it's like, you'd never really heard about much of Epstein, but like he had eugenics um, projects going on. He had, he, he chose like 20 women and he wanted to be the one who impregnated them all because he, he wanted to make us a, like a, a super, a superhuman who had, a, who had the capacity greater than any other human. Um, so like, if it makes sense, that's what you would do with, um, like that, I, 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 do I when you're a psychopath, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that actually, but, but evil, right. We have the ability sure. to, to be evil and the more power somebody has, the more, the more evil they can do. And also the thing about evil is it's incremental. It's incremental, but also exponential. It's incremental in the sense of once you do one bad thing, it's a lot easier to do the next bad thing. I and have a question though. Do the next bad thing. 
I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I, I just I just want to pull this back to um, Christianity and the and the the war of good against evil. Um, because a question that comes up for me a lot, and I think I've asked this to Stephanie before, is um, you know I, I would say I would say ninety at least ninety percent, if not ninety five percent, of the planet is going to hell anyway and and maybe only five percent are getting up in heaven you know just just given who who believes in jesus the correct way or the full way um so why would satan have to pull this century after century long you know elaborate agenda to get people to go to hell if they're most of us are already going but as you guys were speaking, I started to realize that it's not just so much who's going, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it's not so much who's going to heaven and who's going to hell, but just to also make sure that we sort of self-destruct here on earth and, and really just make our lives miserable even before we know they're miserable, as you were saying. Yeah. Like it's not just a heaven and hell thing. It's sounding like it's sounding like Satan wants us to be fully destroyed before we get to hell. Well, I think it's both. I think it's, it's really both. And I think, you know, like I'm, I mean, it just has to be more than both because we're all, most of us are already going to hell. Well, but, but, well, but, but here's, here's an example. I'm like my, my nature is like, I'm just a seeker, seeker kind of person. You know, I'm just, I am. Um, like I studied Buddhism, I studied everything under the sun. It's not an accident that the last thing I came to, the last place I would ever think to look, by the way, is the Bible. The last place I would ever think to look because Christianity is so demonized in our secular culture. It's like, it's okay to totally trash Christianity, to make fun of Christians. If you dare do that about um, Islam, for example, I'm, I'm not saying like you sh should, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying if you were to say something that could be perceived as Islamophobic, like the example I mentioned earlier, you will be lambasted. That is not tolerated. And so we have th this guise of, you know, freedom of religion, except if your religion is Christianity. In that case, you're going to be undermined constantly, um, you know, with, uh, there was a Supreme Court judge who she, she just she was just appointed to to the Supreme Court, um, making the the accusations of you know intelligent people who were asking her questions. It was like they think her religion is a is a caricature. It it's like um, they're not speaking in a way that is protecting what our country is said to value, which is the, 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 the right to practice one, one's religion. Um, and they've tried to make her religion be a reason that she shouldn't be allowed on the Supreme Court when it says very clearly in our constitution that one's religion cannot be a test for office. Like th that's not allowed, you can't do that. That's correct. And the reason why the Democratic Party has a problem with her is because she has been appointed. It's very clear that she's been appointed for ideology, not for um, not for her um, 
experience or anything else. So that's I, all. I totally disagree on that. I, we're I, just I, going. We're just going down a. I mean, I, I don't see. I guess because I'm outside the conservative party, I don't. I do not see where every other religion is okay except Christianity. What? Uh, no one's like. Uh, we're not doing that. <sighs> Well, I mean, just so we don't, you know, spend spend the rest of the time debating debating that. I mean, we could let listeners kind of, you know, figure that one for themselves. But Aaron, going back to what you said, it's funny because you and I just met, and I find it interesting how similar our backgrounds are. Yeah. Um, because I had that same experience, you know, learned everything: Buddhism, Eastern religion, Hinduism, the whole nine yards. I mean, I was just in it to win it, and. Um, <laughs> And the last thing I ever would think to any, the last place I would ever think to look for truth would be the Bible or Jesus. And that was like, that was just uh, clearly, obviously not true in my mind. Right. Yeah. So I can relate to what you're saying that that was an afterthought that the way society makes the truth of the Bible and Jesus Christ look or feel Mm -hmm. is anything but the truth as, as Jesus presented it. Yes. So I, I was misled as well with that. And I'm sure a lot of people are. So I think going back to Cheryl's question about, well, a lot of people are, are not saved. Let's say it that way. Um, I would say that's true. And a lot more people would be saved if some of these undertones didn't exist. Yeah. It took me, what, 41 years old to figure it out. Aaron, it took you, what, 37 to figure it out. I mean, yeah. some people never figure it out. So. Yeah. Yeah, if, if we it's were designed that way, it's designed that way. Yeah, yeah, it's by design for sure. Because you know, back to making a, a choice. If you're presented with things that have, um, you know, there's no fear or there, there are no negative connotations about something that you don't know anything about, and you're you're like, here's here's Buddhism, here's Christianity. If you don't have any of the messaging, you'll gravitate toward one or the other an equal number of times. Um, but no, it's it, the, the messaging is such that Buddhism almost like it like it, it's put into the realm of like oh that's almost like an academic pursuit. It's like that's something that I could you know tell my my uh, professor dad and be like oh it's very interesting you know because but Christianity that's a totally different right uh, because. Because the message of Christ is so exclusive. It's Christ alone, faith alone, and everyone else will be spiritually divorced from God in hell. It's very exclusive. And I think that doesn't bode well with our culture today. Yeah, right. It's it's Where, like it's not it's not a philosophy or a or a practice. It's a it's it's having to believe this particular dude is divine. Well, right. Very interesting. Right. And his message is, you know, you're heaven or hell, black and white, saved or not. It, it there's no gray area. And I and I find that well, Satanism is all about the middle. It's all about blurring the black and the white into the middle. So, you know, where Christianity it is very it's very black and white, and our society doesn't like black and white in terms of spiritually speaking, right? You're either saved or you're not. It's heaven or hell, it's Christ or Lucifer, right? It's very and our, and our culture doesn't like that. Right. That's we so- want choices. <laughs> I, I had always- we want choices where to go. Right. I hadn't thought of it that way before, Stephanie. But yeah, I guess our culture doesn't like there not being a gray area 
Um, well, yeah, because Buddhism does not say believe in Buddha or you're going to the lake of fire. Right. Okay. Buddhism says, hey, here's a way of thinking that your life can be much more, uh, you know, you'll live with ease. You'll right. eventually through karmic debt, pay off your karma and over millions of lifetimes, you'll, you'll reach nirvana, right? Right. Mm very little um, consequence for your action. Yeah. Right? Christianity is not like that. Right. Jesus says, hey, look, you're all sinners. So you're all unrighteous. Oh, nobody likes to hear that. Right. It's not a feel good message. You've got a sin problem. How many people want to embrace that truth? It's right. very difficult for humans have pride. Our flesh is such that we all have pride. Mm-hmm. So, so the message of the gospel has to get past your pride. Uh, right? Yeah, I think I think that that that's why that's why maybe it it it, it um, I was able to receive it that day after Thanksgiving when I drank too much because my pride was just shot. <laughs> there has to be a level of humility, and that's very difficult in our in our world where everybody thinks it's I have the answer, it's my way or no way. And right. God says, "Well, you're a sinner, you got a sin problem, and if you don't correct it, you're going to hell." Woo! That is a very severe message that the world rejects because the world wants the, you know, wants the message that doesn't give them those alternatives. Right. They don't, they don't want that consequence. That's too and, much. And so what they've done is they've created a reasonable amount of doubt around that Jesus is who he said he is. And they say things like, well, he was a great teacher you know, like Buddha and Mohammed, like that. I heard that so many times throughout my life, you know, he was a great teacher that totally like that. You might as well just like, never look like that. That's, he wasn't just a great teacher because he said that would be fine, except he says he's God. So you have three choices. Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic or is he exactly who he says he is? That, that's it. Those are the three choices. And yeah. you know, everybody has free will um, to choose which door they want to open, right? Um, but but you, you, yeah, bottom line, that's it. Well, Aaron, let, let's do this. I think this would be a good stopping point. I think we kind of went full circle with, um, with, with this. So is there anything else that, you know, kind of ending comment, last thought anybody wants to share? I just, it was, um, I got so much out of this and I, I just, I really thank you all for, um, you know, for listening to, um, everything that I shared and, um, you know, Michelle, Cheryl and Stephanie for like, for having the, for creating this space for it to actually come out, um, uh, yeah. Thank you. And thank you. Thank and you to all, to all who, are, who are listening. Yeah. And we want to thank you. Thank you. Yeah. For being so vulnerable because of what you shared. I mean, you really were vulnerable on our show today. We, we appreciate that you were real and you're very transparent. So we, we appreciate your courage mm-hmm. as well. Thank you. Yep. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Well, then I think we can say goodbye. 
Yes. And if anybody wants to listen in, um, or I mean, not listen in, if anybody wants to uh, have any questions or, um, yeah, if anybody has questions, just email us at um, the email address. What is the email address, Stephanie? Can you give it to them? Yeah, it's un.believer.inbetweener at gmail.com. Perfect. And you can find that also us on Instagram with the same, uh, the same title. Okay, and we'll we'll link that in the description as well. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, well, thank you everyone for listening and joining us today.